Good morning, good morning. I'm Jim McGinnis, and this is a brand new episode of Stories We Can Tell. It's called Crossing Over, Crossing Back. And many thanks to Chip Ackerson for putting the Bahamas in my head, and to my niece Kara for a great story of her first trip across. Really tripped my trigger. As far as this podcast goes, it's a place for thoughts, musings, and passages of this old Floridian. What can you expect at the heart, stories, reflections on the lives of Americans? My studio is my back porch where there are frequently sounds of crickets, birds, barking dogs, and trains. A siren works its way in from time to time. There's a breeze blowing this morning. I apologize for the raw recordings, but that's me, unbridled and unvarnished. Crossing over. Everything is going to be all right, Ray Donahue said for the second time. Thank you, Robert Nesta Marley. You are forever the optimist. No, I'm not. I'm just hopeful. I'm hoping that if I keep saying things will be okay, then they will be. Oh, I get it, Quinn answered. Like Hemingway said, let him think I am more man than I am, and I will be so. What the hell? Are you drunk? That has nothing to do with anything, Ray snapped. Well, I am drunk, but yes, it does, my friend. Yes, it does. Ray had driven to Gregory Town from the airport, 40 minutes on the wrong side of the road. All he saw were small shacks, a schoolhouse, and a bay with the bluest water ever. So how in the world did you find me in Gregory Town, Quinn asked. I didn't even know you had a passport. Just because you don't doesn't mean I'm a dumbass, answered Ray as he left a tip at Elvina's. I got one, Ray. I just misplaced it. Ray ignored him as they made their way back to the rental car, an old Chevy Astro van. Ah, working AC, a rare commodity, said Quinn as he turned the vents. It's good to see you, Raymond, all things considered. Ray glanced over. How was the flight, Quinn asked. Ray looked over again. Why in the hell couldn't Tim come over here and rescue you? Quinn pulled his cap down. Airport was not much of an airport at all. Customs on the left, terminal on the right, no tower, radio chatter between pilots, coordinated takeoffs and landings. Ray's flight out of Fort Lauderdale was rough. He flew in an eight-person puddle jumper piloted by a Cuban man with limited English-speaking abilities. But the guy made the trip to Eleuthera once or twice daily, so he did not lack in confidence. (music) 
Ray sat in the back next to the door, sweating like a congressman in church. There was a hole in the door big enough for him to see the ground. He was leaning forward, hyperventilating, and the pilot kept pleading with him to sit back because he was throwing off the center of gravity. After waiting out on the tarmac for half an hour with no air conditioning, they finally took off right out over the ocean. The Xanax finally kicked in and Ray began to relax. He closed his eyes for a few minutes. When he opened them, he looked down and saw the prettiest water that anyone had ever seen. Ray could see a line of boats making the run over to the Bahamas. He was still sweating. Great flight, great effing flight, he said. Quinn looked for something on the radio while Ray kept his mind on driving on the left. How far is it to Paul's place, he asked. Eh, at least 20 minutes. We gotta make a stop. It's actually a pretty little place, Gregory Town. A little sleepy, said Ray, calming a bit. Until Friday night, Quinn replied, bobbing his head. Lots of partying. Some rake and scrape. Rake and what? Ah, good stuff, Ray. Little homemade music. Handsaw, boss guitar, drum, accordion. Has a little polka sound. Strange mix between Europe and Africa. Ray kept his eyes on the road. You should be here for the Pineapple Fest, said Quinn. Now that's a three-day blur. I get the holidays mixed up, though. Emancipation Day, White Monday, Majority Rule Day. All I know is they have lots of parades in that little town. So where's Paul, asked Ray. He's stateside. Slow down. <clears throat> Turn's coming up. Gotta make a stop, Quinn said. He told me I could stay as long as I wanted. Good friend. I got a few of those, answered Quinn, looking over at Ray. You came over by yourself? One motor, his buddy asked, parroting a question John Clark had asked him. That's all I needed, said Quinn, as he motioned for Ray to pull into the east and final grocery store. I'll be right back. Ray knew very little about boats, but making the crossing alone, well, that didn't sound like a very good idea. Frank returned with a brown paper bag and they headed on down the road. They pulled up at Paul's and Quinn made a beeline for the porch. He filled two short glasses with rum and warm coke and handed one to Ray. To Eleuthera, freedom. I thought you were in the keys for the break, Ray said after a sip. I was. Then something came over me and that was that. My boy took the dogs home and I told him I'd catch up, which is exactly what I'm planning to do. Ray laughed. Plan. When have you ever planned? They both sat quiet for a few minutes and gazed out at the water. I can't believe they let you cross by yourself, said Ray, stirring his drink with his finger. Well, Tim's got no choice in the matter, and my brother-in-law, he knows me pretty well. It's hard to talk me out of something. Who gets the boat when you croak? What are you talking about, Quinn said with false indignation. I'm going down in the Florida days. Shit. Quinn laughed and told him the story of the talk he had with his son about just tying him to the wheel and heading him toward the Gulf Stream. My boy put his hand on my shoulder and said, Dad, I'm keeping the boat. Frank laughed louder than Ray had ever heard him laugh. So Quinn, Ray asked, after things calmed down, what is this about? You know, we go back to work in a few days. Quinn stood up and raised his glass. 
the reason for which this leave is taken is not a violation of the provisions of the collective bargaining agreement. Ray tried to keep a straight face but couldn't. Yeah, you're a real union guy. Remember, Ray, when I tried to take over the union? Screw you, Quinn, he said, still smiling. That was a noble failure. Who took all these pictures? asked Ray, gazing around the room. Paul did. I thought he was a firefighter, Ray said. He was, and a pretty damn good photographer. Not a bad carpenter, either. He built this place. Ray nodded as he looked around. Frank Quinn reached into his pocket and pulled out his passport. Ray stared with his mouth open. You son of a bitch. This was a scam? Quinn paused and then said, Ray, if I beg, borrow, or steal a day here with my old buddy, I'd do it. Ray gulped down the rest of his drink. You know how I hate flying. You know what a nightmare of a plane ride that was? When we took off, I had my eyes closed. The guy in front of me asked me why. I said that aside from being scared shitless, I was visualizing punching my friend in the mouth. You were in good hands. Fernando's a damn good pilot, Frank smiled, but he could see Ray's knuckles turning white. You would never have come over unless you thought I was in trouble. You're still in trouble, dumbass. You're gonna make the crossing alone again? What if it's blowing? Well, I ain't leaving the boat, said Quinn, and I was gonna invite you to ride along. Bullshit, I'd rather ride on that damn plane again. God is good, Ray, God is good. Maybe this ain't just about me. You ever think about that? Ray got up and made himself another drink. You got any music around here? Crossing back. Ray found Quinn on the porch, reading from his old beat-up journal. He turned when he heard Ray mutter good morning. And good morning to you, sir. Listen to this, Ray. Quinn was well into his second cup of coffee. Florida thrust like a guiding thumb to the southern islands of Rumba and Rum, to the mystery cities and haunted seas of the Spanish Main and the Caribbees. That's Don Blanding. He wrote that about 80 years ago. Had a collection called Floridays. Aha, replied Ray, trying to wipe away the night. Your boat. Quinn smiled. Talk to Fernando. You gotta catch a plane. Unless you wanna cross with me. I think I'll save that adventure for another day, said Ray, smiling. Some time in the Bahamas had mellowed him. It had been a short stay, but a few fun days on a Lutheran. Filled with rum and cooked animal, Buffett would say, and bullshit by the ton. Swimming, fishing, cliff diving, and a rollicking time in Gregory Town. Ray nodded his head as he looked around. This is quite a place. Yes, it is, agreed Quinn as he scanned the radio station for a weather report. What about you, asked Ray? Coming back to work? I think I have enough days to call it a year, he replied. But I got a good group of kids, though. Don't want to leave them hanging. Plus, we caught a lot of fish in the Keys last week. Good eats. Ray seemed to be glad to hear Quinn's response. You got two months of sick leave? Damn near. This looks like a place you could end up, Ray said as he looked out over the ocean. Nah, 
Melbourne's my place. Plus, I may have some good teaching left in me. I don't know. Quinn's friend suggested that the kids in Gregory Town might need somebody, but he got no response. On the way to the airport, Quinn told Ray to help him out with the plane fare, but he had to wait until they got back to Florida. He needed his cash for possible emergencies on the return. Ray shook his head as they said goodbye, shaking hands and saying, thank you. Quinn smiled and said, see you on the other side, friend. That's a frickin' weird thing to say, Frank. I swear you're getting goofier by the day. Hey, that's why Mickey left Minnie. She was fucking goofy. They both laughed at the old joke and shook hands again. Don't forget your Xanax, Quinn added. I don't think I'm going to need it. After a long pause, Ray said, You're going to be all right, Quinn, placing his hand on his friend's shoulder. If you survive this, you're going to be all right. I can see that light back in your eyes, that old crazy light. Ray turned and walked toward the plane. That's how Clemente went, you know. Plane crash in the ocean, Quinn yelled. Ray held up his middle finger as he walked toward the plane. Bad joke, Frank, he said without looking back. Quinn stood smiling for a minute and then headed for the van. He kept it for the day, preparing for his own departure. He found a couple of boats that were planning to leave in the morning and asked if he could tag along with the old Mako. They were fine with it, especially after finding out Quinn was staying at Paul's place. He got the distinct impression that his friend would be mayor if he stuck around long enough. He spent the day prepping the boat and cleaning up around the house. The weather report was good, and Quinn began to feel the excitement of another crossing. One of the boats was a big sport fish, which would make it nice to follow if things got rough. Although he had no one to spell him at the wheel, Quinn was grateful to be on the boat alone. The beauty of the ocean brought him to tears several times. Buffett's Barometer Soup album played over and over until the CD started skipping. Quinn didn't want to come off a plane to find another album, so he just started singing himself. All sorts of thoughts ran through his head and in between songs. He talked to himself loudly. Quinn didn't hear the call from one of his companion boats checking on him, but a wave of reassurance did the trick. He thought of pirates, Indians, and outlaws while singing Irish sea shanties. No, nay, never, he shouted, banging on the console. No, nay, never, no more. He kept singing everything that came to his mind. Then he'd start thinking out loud again. At one point, he thought of how he had allowed himself to be co-opted, convincing himself that he was teaching kids to think. But there, somewhere in his own self-righteousness, he had forgotten to think himself. No, nay, never, he sang again. Frost was there, as he often was, whispering again about moving backward toward the source. I am Quinn, he shouted in his best brogue, Francis Tiernan Quinn, named after me grandfathers from the counties down in Mayo. Oh, Tiernan from the hollow, the county command. Hang that on your family tree, he yelled through the salt air, tears again flowing from his eyes. The self-doubt he had wrestled with was gone. He remembered Harrison saying that doubting yourself was only a sign of self-pity. No, nay, never, no more. 
Somewhere east of the Gulf Stream, Quinn came upon thousands of baby crabs swimming along the top of the water. Immediately, he slowed down to see the amazing sight, paying no mind to the ever-widening gap between the Floridas and the other boats. There were no predators to be found, just a massive pilgrimage of crabs. It thrilled him to the marrow. Quinn radioed his new friends and told him of the crabs. It took only a short while to catch up. His back ached from standing at the wheel. No autopilot on the Mako. He sat up on the leaning post and put his feet up on the console and thought about his dogs and his grandkids. He drank his Gatorade and ate some peanut butter crackers. They were nice, gentle rollers on the ocean now and no need to pull in behind the other boats. He stayed on the outside. <laughs>